All right, on this week's Thoughts in the Shade, we'll recap the Eagles' 38-35 win over the Detroit Lions. We'll reflect on week one in the NFL and week two in college football. And we'll look forward to the next week of football because we're back, full bore. Here we go. New tunes, man. New tunes. Got to spice it up for the people, Bomb. What's happening, man? New NFL season, new tunes for the G, man. What a day. Not too shabby. Yeah, great to be back. Great to be on on the mic tonight, coming through the airwaves. Um, week one in the books. It's just, it's just a great feeling to be back. Sunday rolls around. You got to get to a couch. You got to get in front of a TV. You got to get the phone open. For me, not for you, Bomb, the fantasy app open. You're, che- you're checking the fantasy scores, but you're also checking the NFL game scores all day. You know, check checking on the wagers. You got bets fired in. Group chats are blowing up. Everybody's commenting on every play. And it was a wild day of football on Sunday. We had overtime, you know, 30 missed field goals. You name it, it happened. Any any instant reaction, or should we just get right to the the birds? No instant reaction. I mean, I was I was going through watching all the games. Had red zone on after the Eagles game, and obviously saw a bunch of the uh, overtime games. And you know, chaos, utter chaos. And uh, it just struck me in the moment. It's just it's just great that football's back. It is indeed, especially you got you get you get the taste with college a week a week or two before NFL, but. There's nothing like an NFL Sunday. Good day to sit inside, too, with the rain. Um, but, yeah, great to be back. And the Eagles won. Eagles are 1-0. 38-35 win over the Lions. You had the Lions money line wager. It was close. I, I had no play. I think I said last week, no play. We'll root, root for an Eagles close win. That's what we got. You know, all the Philly lunatics calling in all last week the birds there's no way they lose this game there's no chance they're gonna win by 20 four rounds they all got burned um but yeah want to know you you got to take the Andy Reid approach at this point man it's a tough lead to win and let's just enjoy the win man (laughs) yeah I don't know I mean yeah obviously a great win they jumped out to a big lead but being on the other side Lions money line um you know, it doesn't hurt because the, the birds win. And I, th- I thought it would be a close game. So I thought betting on the Eagles wasn't going to get it done. And I figured they'd either lose outright or uh, or the Lions would cover. So I, I decided to take the Lions money line. If that CTE riddled brain of Dan Campbell didn't call for that little pooch onside kick, I mean, I think they might have won the game. Um, I did like the strategy of kicking it at a guy who went to Penn State because normally they're never big enough for the moment. But in this case, you got to tip your tip your cap to Zach McPherson. It seemed like after he transferred from Penn State and went to Texas Tech, they taught him some in-game awareness down there. So, uh, you know, good for him, good for the birds, great win. Yeah, great win. I think just for me, like, off the top, I'll say, you know what I thought about last night driving home after this game? I just thought, like, comparing it to how I felt after game one last year. And, yes, it's a good win. Yes, A.J. Brown is as good as advertised, maybe even better in game one in his Eagles debut. But I don't feel 
as cheeky as I did after game one last year. Um, and we kind of talked about it last week. You saw it throughout the league on Sunday as well. Like all, all the guys resting in the preseason, starters not playing, teams not hitting, the Eagles didn't hit. I think the product suffered on Sunday uh, across yep. the league and, and, and for the Eagles. And I just kind of come away from that game like, yes, great to get a win. You didn't blow it. You didn't lose to, you know, one of the – the lowly teams in the league, but there's a lot to clean up from this game. I mean, I think the Eagles are aware of it, but I don't know. I, I turned the radio on today because it's like a great, it, it's great to turn the radio back on now that, that the Eagles are back. All the Hawks are calling in and, and going off and these people are ready to ride it. We got a deep run in us this year. Like, I don't know how you could say it after game one. Well, I was listening to the radio even before the game and hearing the predictions and the prognosticators and, you know, that little twerp ESP and his, and his voice, you know, scratchy voice, Sesame street character, James Seltzer are both saying, we, we just don't see how the Eagles lose. I mean, unless there's something fluky with three or four turnovers, how do they lose the game? I mean, what do you mean? How do they lose the game? It's the NFL, any given motherfucking Sunday, but brother, but they got it done. Uh, I think basically you know, Sirianni sitting the guys and not playing them during the preseason and not really hitting in camp. It showed up early in the game. They're lucky that they were able to turn it on and score as many points as they did because defensively there was no physicality. Uh, you could have rushed for hundred yards. Deandre Swift looked like a world beater. I said to, to uh, some folks who were watching the game with, I said, you, you know, Deandre Swift hasn't seen, seen arm tackles like this since the Thanksgiving game against LaSalle college high school. When wow. he came back to the prep. I mean, the guy's just busting through arm tackles, putting people in a blender. I mean, it was it was eight, nine yards before he was touched. He did look good. Uh, they made him look good. I mean, I think Swift is is a pretty good player, but they certainly made him look good, especially early. And, like, for the blowhard saying, how could you lose the game? I mean, just look at the first drive. They walked right down. The yeah. de- defense was atrocious all day. Well, uh, I mean, let's, let's talk about offense a little bit. I thought the offense – was a bit erratic. I talked about AJ Brown. Thought he was awesome. Um, I got to. I got to give Miles Sanders his flowers, real quick, um, because I've been a detractor on this show of Miles in uh, the last year or so. But thought he ran hard yesterday. Found some holes, hit some spots. He had the the big run late. You know, bounced it out. Usually he's looking to to bounce it outside when the hole is there. But but yesterday late. There was no holy bounce it outside and basically sealed the game for the birds. But I'm curious to to hear what you have to say about Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, he put all the the offensive yardage together, but I and I'm a Hurts guy. But I, I look at him yesterday; he was under pressure a lot. I'll, I'll give him that. But like, I'm almost reminded of Sean Clifford watching Hurts play yesterday, where he drops back, he looks at looks at the first guy, a little bit of pressure, and, and he's just ready to take off. What did you think of Hurts yesterday? First of all, regarding that comparison, Jalen Hurts is younger than Sean Clifford, so let's just let's just make sure people are aware of that. That's insane. Um, Hurts specifically. First of all, let me, let me talk about the offense and then give you my read on Hurts. So offensively, I, I agree with you. It was erratic. It seemed disjointed. I watched these other games on, on Sunday and it's like these, these offensive minds are scheming guys opened. 
there's a there's a scheme there's a there's a route tree there's route combinations where they're running in the specific zones it seemed like there was absolutely none of that for the Philadelphia Eagles um the game on Sunday felt a lot like backyard football hey Jalen when you get pressure go make a play uh the little pop warnerish to me for a guy who you know in all intents and purposes like Sirianni he's got to show his fingerprints on the offense this year they were run heavy I think by virtue of the fact that Hertz was scrambling around I didn't think the O-line played well so that's a an interdependency on judging Hertz. A lot of the stuff he did have pressure, but there were times where he could have stepped up into a pocket as opposed to bailing out left or bailing out right. Um, I thought Hertz showed a lot of really good awareness in terms of throwing the football away instead of getting tackled or running out of bounds for a loss. We know 11 or Deuce couldn't do that. He always ran out of bounds for the loss when he was being pursued or uh, fumbled the football. So a lot of good things to build on. I thought he looked better as a passer. Um, but again, I don't I don't think the offense showed a ton schematically that gives me a lot of confidence to show that like Sirianni is going to be this great offensive mind. No, I totally agree. You, you didn't see Devontae Smith catch a ball yesterday. I think Goddard had two catches. It was really the A.J. Brown show, which that's why you went and got the guy. But when you think about the offense in the whole – and if this team wants to get where they want to go, everybody's got to be involved, got to be clicking on all cylinders. And, yes, it's week one. There's that caveat. But, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't get a warm and fuzzy from the offense. Like, they, they look good at times. They moved the ball. I mean, it's weird to say because they scored 31 points, right, the seven with the pick six from Bradbury. But I, I didn't get that warm and fuzzy. The O-line, I mean, Detroit gave them all they could handle. That Hutchison kid, man, he's going to be a player. Um, Malata and, and Johnson had their hands full with him, friggin' rookie. But, yeah, erratic, but they moved the ball, and when they got into the red zone, the passing in the red zone, no good again. It, it just reminded me of last year, and, yes, they, they just got it in on the ground, which is great. You can rely on that. That's their bread and butter. But in terms of creativity and, you know, they're going to get in situations when they need need to throw the ball in the red zone. They're going to stack the box. They're going to bring pressure. Like we need to see some progress there for sure. Yeah. And I think Sirianni has been a little short sighted. Like he said something today uh, in the, in the Monday presser where, Oh, if we have to run Jalen 20 times to win the game, we're going to run Jalen 20 times to win the game. Um, He's going to play like eight games then. Yeah. I mean, do we remember what happened last year at the end of the year with the tender ankle and he, and he really couldn't do much against Tampa. If, if you make this guy totally one dimensional, whether it be just passing, he's going to get dinged up or sorry, just running. He's going to get dinged up. If you make him one dimensional passing without, without the ability to run, whether, whether it's uh, schematically or due to injury, they're not going to be able to score in the red zone. They might be able to move the ball, but I, I just, I think, I was expecting a little more out of Sirianni. I, I don't know why, you know, clearly the guy's like a culture guy. He's a build. We're building something type of guy. I was expecting someone who can diagram something up on the grease board and show off the array of weapons for, for Devante Smith to go catchless is disgusting. I will say watching him early in the game, the guy looked lost. Like there was, there was a, a throw towards the sideline that he has to catch and he just clanks it. And 
you know, I don't know if it was the camera angles or I don't know if it was just the way they were showing him throughout the game. Looked disinterested, quite frankly. I don't disagree. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I, it's bizarre, yeah. I mean, the Heisman, the Bama, you know, playing for Saban. And last year he, he flashed, you know, he was open. Maybe we didn't get, get him the ball as much as we needed to, but certainly looked a little, little bit like a shell of himself yesterday and I, th- I think about Hertz at least he can slide you look at all these quarterbacks that scramble and run none, none of them can slide he did a great job sliding yesterday so big ups to, to Jalen Hurts for for the slide um he, he, here's the thing he can slide but I mean you can still get officiating yesterday or do you have any confidence in their ability to protect the guy? No, I was, I, I was going to say you can slide and still get rocked in the head like three times in the first quarter and not see one flag. I, I was pissed that there wasn't a flag, but the thing that disappointed me even more was that it took until the fourth hit before his, their, his teammates threw their arms in the air and went after somebody. And I, I got to give my man, Zach Pascal all the credit in the world. Here we have a guy who's what the number four receiver. Three or four, yeah. He he ran that little route across across the line of scrimmage. He's in motion across the line of scrimmage, right? And he catches the back half of the football to move the chains on third and short on a little kind of kind of route out to the out to the sideline. That's the route that Rager would be running. He could, never could execute that catch. So first of all, he moved the chains with a catch. Then as the fourth wide receiver, he knows his place on the football team. Oh, you rocked our quarterback. I'm going to get right in your fucking face and start some shit. And then the defender started throwing hands. That guy gets the boot. So I saw there a guy who was willing to stand up for his teammate. He didn't take a dumb penalty. He moved the chains. Holy hell. We have a serviceable fourth wide receiver. Yeah. I think Adam Amon and Mark Schlereth were saying that the, the Eagles or, or Sirianni were, were familiar with Pascal and, they brought him in because he's got that dog in him. And, and, and he showed it yesterday. And it's huge that, that he doesn't take a penalty. You need a guy that can be a bit of an enforcer but not a complete jackass. Uh, Derek Barnett, pairs up, out for the year. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of those uh, addition by subtraction type deals. I mean, obviously, I wish the guy uh, a healthy recovery and uh, all the success in the world in the future, but I just didn't understand why they brought him back. Uh so we'll we'll see. I mean, they're built on the depth on these lines. We're going to find out real quick. Yeah, for sure. I mean, let's transition to defense. Uh, didn't see a great pass rush yesterday, I don't think. I feel like we, we might have saw some blitzing early, but not a ton that got home. I thought the run defense was, was poor. You talked about Swift earlier. I thought that linebacker, White, Kaiser White, I, I thought he flashed and made some plays out there. He obviously had the tip ball on the pick. Bradbury bringing it back. So you got to give them credit for creating a turnover, uh, creating a score also. And I think the offense had no turnover. So that's that's also a plus. You know, looking at the simple things, the fundamentals, win the turnover battle. They did that. Got to be happy with that. And I don't know. I mean, what would you make of the secondary? I wouldn't say they got carved completely, but it's Jared Goff and the Lions. Uh, you did see some guys running open. The Lions had a number of drops. You had Slay get burned in the end zone late, big play, always showing up. I still don't understand how that guy's got that nickname, but what would you make of the defense? Yeah, I mean, I noticed uh, your your boy White kind of flashing early in the game. I think he made a play on the first play of the game, um, which was shocking. But, 
I'm not as concerned with the secondary. They made they made a play. They generated points with the pick six. They also, I think, deep into the second quarter, Jared Goff had something like six passing yards at the time. They were just getting absolutely roasted on the ground. I mean, it was like seven, eight, nine yards before anybody put an arm on Swift. And uh, you have to wonder a little bit about, is it personnel? Is it personnel combinations? Is it scheme? Because... You know, all we hear about is this 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 uh, stable of pass rushers and all these guys on the D line that can get upfield and get to the quarterback. And frankly, it felt a little bit like Jim Washburn in the wide nine. Oh no! Hitting their ears back, and then the ball's just being handed off, and you're you're you know the running backs flying by you. Jason Babin getting the big money, all tatted up, looking like a a doofus out there in Eagles green. You know, that's a little bit what it felt like, and. I don't know if it's the coordinator. I don't know if it's what what they're teaching these guys. Maybe it's just a one-game aberration. Could be just that they, they didn't hit in the preseason, didn't hit in training camp, et cetera. But, you know, you'd, you'd think with a guy like Fletcher Cox, a, a veteran, you'd think with all the all the guys they signed, they got Reddick dropping into coverage. He's showing off the all the skills he has. I mean, did we pay this guy to get up the field and rush the quarterback? I mean, what are we doing? So, I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't impressed with the pass rush. I wasn't impressed with the run defense. I think the secondary will be just fine. The linebackers are improved, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I think you really have to question Gannon and Sirianni, whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, he's he does have a little bit of rabbit ears when it comes to like the fans and sports talk radio. You remember last year when they started two and five and all the the mouth breathers were screaming in, run the damn football, run the football. And he started running the football. And if this defense continues to get gashed like this, and in particular, if the offense continues to score, you're going to have people calling for JG's job. And the question becomes, does Nick Sirianni pull the plug if it continues this way midseason? I think it would ha- they it would have to cost them some games for him to pull the plug, right? Like you you can't you start. Think? I I think so, right? Like say I, they give up forty to Minnesota on Monday night in the home opener. Four Jay Jets, three tutties. Four forty is a hefty hefty number in the NFL, and you did just give up thirty five to Detroit. So yeah, I mean if Jared if, Goff came out after the game and said we should have scored fifty, I don't think he's wrong. They dropped a lot of balls, man. They they dropped a number of balls. They were moving it on the ground. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know that you have to attribute it to Gannon for sure. We saw him struggle last year. I think you attribute attribute some of the trench play. Uh, you know, talking about the the D line and the lack of pass rush. Maybe attribute that to not many reps, not many li- live bullets uh, up until Sunday. But yeah. I mean, if we get a couple more performances like that out of the defense, we we need the crazies, you know, g- getting on social yeah. media, get, getting on sports radio, and calling call for Gannon's head. Because if, if if that's what it takes, if that's what it takes to get to Sirianni's head for him for him to make a move, then that's what we need. Um, but yeah, I just don't know if they're winning games, like unless they're winning every game, like forty five forty or thirty five thirty. 
I don't think you I think you can pull the plug. Would be like this defense is the only thing that's holding us back from being like a contender. You know what I mean? Um, even if they're winning games that are shootouts, like I don't think there's any way you can you can go deep with a defense that, that's performing like that. Um, not not to change topics, but the other thing that stood out during the game, and I don't know if you you felt the same way. Maybe this is just due to watching hard knocks was the juxtaposition with the the coaching staffs. And we'll take we'll take Dan Campbell and Sirianni out of it. But, you know, we watched Deuce, we watched Hank Fraley, we watched Aaron Glenn, we watched some other guys on the lines coaching staff that um are all former players, are all really likable guys like when you watch Hard Knocks. Oh yeah, for sure. And you watch that game yesterday and you look at the sideline chats of Shane Steichen, the new the play caller, and JG with with you know the the A frame bent hat like like it's fucking you know 1952 and he's putting a quarter into a Coke machine in a gas station down in rural Mississippi. Like we we find these guys who look like the nerdiest geeks that have ever walked into a football facility, and you have to wonder. And I'm not saying that Dan Campbell's got it right with all players, right? Maybe that's, you know, the opposite approach, but all ex players, but you have to wonder at some point, like, do these guys look at their, their coordinators and think to themselves, like, why the fuck is this guy, you know, telling me to do this? He's a clown. And we heard a little bit of that, of that last year in the beginning of the year with Jonathan Gannon and what Fletcher Cox was saying. So if this goes bad, I could see some more of that, you know, some more of that, uh, those whispers. And Steichen, was that his first game call plays yesterday? Did he take over yeah. Sirianni? He called – so that, this is the best part. He called uh, some of the plays last year when, when uh, Sirianni, uh, they got off to the slow start, and, um, and Nick said this year Shane's going to continue to do it because he wants to be focused more on uh, game ma- overall game management. No sooner do they talk about that on the broadcast than do they get a fucking 12 in the huddle penalty – they they got they're looking at the play clock that expires. Let's delay a game on f- what second and goal. Yeah, I mean, what the fuck is this guy looking at? Not good. But yeah, you you talk about Gannon and Steichen. You you look at those guys. They they look like they should be coaching like the local high school team. I don't even know that. I mean, archery. Like they I mean, look. They look like yeah. They, they look like they taught English class for eight hours on a Wednesday and then yep. went to practice it you know, three thirty with the JV team. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, it's, but you notice that playing a team like the lions where they're the lions are say what you want about the lions. They, they are not the more talented team, but yesterday I thought they played harder. I thought they played more physical. Um, and that's the kind of effort you're going to get from players when you have X players as coaches. Yeah. Definitely a, a likable staff over there in Detroit. Obviously, after hard knocks, everyone's going to come out likable, but you, you can't you can't beat the professional experience and actually playing the game and living it that those guys have versus you know our bozos. Yeah, and I also don't I don't know if they did like a hard knocks of like the Eagles, which they'll never do because like Jeff Lurie is like. And I know you got to like, there's all these provisions with, you know, if you have this type of record, but you have a new coach, like whenever the Eagles are in a position to potentially be the team on hard knocks, 
stunningly, Jeff Lurie is in the market for a new head coach and they go get a new head coach because he doesn't want any of his operations being publicly consumed because they're probably just such a joke. Um, so, I mean, but if they had if they had cameras in the Novacare and you're looking at Shane Steichen and Sirianni and and uh, and JG in his A-frame hat. I'm not so sure we would even like these fucking guys. And don't forget your boy Howie. I, I mean, get, give him credit for the moves yeah, he's made yeah. recently. On, but he, he put some respect on Howie. He, he's a bit of a weaselly guy too. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think the general uh, public or or nation watching Hard Knocks of the Eagles would come away really <laughs> loving the squad. <laughs> no, 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 no. You got anything else on the game? The only, the only thing I, the only other thing I got is uh, my bone. Dial it up, baby. Incoming bombs, bone to pick of the week. My bone to pick of the week is with none other than your fearless leader, the head coach, the game manager, as I just mentioned, Nick Sirianni. And it's got nothing to do with the game. It's got nothing to do with really the offense, the team, any of it. Great to get a win. I mean, the clock is ticking down. The Eagles are running the clock out, and he's got his arms raised in the air. He's got two number ones up. He uh, rips the headset off. He meanders over to like the bench area closer towards the fans. He's got both arms raised. He's pointing up into the fans. I, for, at first, I'm like, whoa, what, is he is he taunting the hardworking people of Detroit? These these season ticket holders who are building your your Ford F-150 this week, and you're, you're you're walking over and just shitting on these guys. No, he's actually pointing up to presumably the fans of Philly, the, the Delco mouth breathers who decided to make the trip out to the Motor City. And these people were hooting and hollering. They're eating it up. Nick, Nick, Nick. Oh, yeah, great win, Nick. Great win, Nick. He's hooting and hollering. He's got the hands raised. I mean, they they, they went into Detroit. They got a win week one. Great. Lottie fucking die. They won by three points. Last year, they beat the team 44 to six. And he's hooting and hollering. I thought... I thought to myself, I said, this is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen from a head coach in the NFL. Not a Super Bowl, not a playoff berth. Week one in Detroit. <laughs> Dude, you're bad, man. The the, the poor people of Delco. <laughs> <laughs> but that, am I crazy? You you bring up a good point, and it brings me back to to last year in Game One and how I felt after Game One last year. I had hope, I had optimism. They won the game, they moved the ball, they did some nice things. Also a lesser opponent against Atlanta last year. Um, but then then you got this year and the guy's celebrating like it was his debut. And it wasn't even that. It, it was so bizarre. Do you remember when Doug was the head coach and they won a game, I think it was at Washington. It might have been like, they, I think it was the year they won the Super Bowl. And they like Gatorade bath Doug. You remember that? I don't think Fletcher I remember Cox. that. Fletcher Cox gave him like an orange Gatorade bath. Did they clinch the division or something? No, it was like week two or week three <laughs> against against the Redskins. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, that's really bizarre. But, you know, it was obvious that the team loved Doug and they were, you know, they went seven to nine his first year and 
he exercised some demons getting that road win and the team was off to a good start and they gave him the Gatorade bath and, but make no mistake about it. Doug didn't, you know, tell the guy, Hey guys, go get the Gatorade ready. You know, Hey guys, you know, go dunk me with the Gatorade. Sirianni's running around with his hands raised. Like he just went freaking 12 rounds with Muhammad Ali and won the decision. The fuck? They played the Lions. Yeah, it was, it was pretty unbelievable. Um, but want to know? You got to you got to enjoy the win. It's a hard league to win in, man. So that's that's what Nick's doing. Yeah, they love NFL people love saying that because when you say that, it's like the ultimate cop out to like a bad scheme or a bad game plan or you know just a, uh, an ugly win. And I'm not saying I disagree with it, but it's that's such that's such a cop out that that it's a hard league to win in. There's a lot of idiots that win in this league. <laughs> There's a lot of moron head coaches that for some reason have a job. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So want to know win over the lines. We got the home opener on Monday night football next week against captain Kirk cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. The Eagles opened a three point favorite yesterday evening. They're now down to a one and a half point favorite and before I throw it over to you on that bomb I'll just say after watching the Eagles yesterday and watching Minnesota dismantle Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay I was shocked at that line I'm not shocked it's come down because you know anybody that watched both of those games is probably going to try to hammer Minnesota I think it's a good a good line for the Eagles I agree with you, and I haven't looked at any of the lines because I'm trying to, I'm trying to just, I'm trying to decompress, and I'm trying to come at it with a, with a, with a fresh look after a tough NFL start. But I agree with you that 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 line tells me something. I will say though, it could be that odds makers think the Lions are better than what the Lions have been because the Lions looked pretty good yesterday, all things considered. They didn't look too shabby. Yeah. I don't disagree, and we'll just uh, – we won't go into the details. It was posted on social media, but we'll just pour one out for Bombs NFL Week 1. What can you say? I went with a couple money line dogs, and uh, it, it bit me. I, I, I did – I will say, the one thing you do have to give me credit on, you ask me, what game do you love the most? And I said – the G man. That that is a hundred and ten percent true. So I'll, I'll give you credit there. We've all had rough weeks. Everybody's done it. I started college football like one and five or one and six last year. Uh, the only direction to go is up, man. So don't sweat it. Let's uh, let's take a look around the league. Let's run through the the slate real fast and just any any quick thoughts. Just a rapid fire reaction to each game of week one uh, Thursday night. We both had the Bills. You did start one and zero, Bob. We had the Bills, thirty-one yeah. ten. They ruined Tough league to win it. One and zero. They ruined the uh, Super Bowl celebration. The banner raising for for the L.A. Rams. My initial thought on that game: it's just a travesty. It's a crime against humanity. It's an absolute disgrace that Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford won the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, I I agree. It cheapens the the championship. I'll go so far as to say that if and when you know Bomb ever has kids, and the grenade asks me, "Oh, what about the this team? What about that team?" 
What about this team that won the championship in 2022, 2021, whatever the hell it is? Say, listen here, Grenade. That was a, a COVID year. Those championships don't count. So I'm, I'm almost looking at it like that Lakers NBA championship. That doesn't count. Uh, you know, the, all the no fan shit doesn't count. That, that Rams Super Bowl was fraudulent. And, and and don't forget they played it at home. Yeah. I mean, it's a joke. Uh, the other thing I did want to call out, can we stop with the, the, the dick riding of Jalen Ramsey now? I mean, every time I turn on a, a game, the guy's getting burnt like toast. Absolutely cooked. We were calling that out last year. But the Bills the Bills look good. They looked really good. I texted you at halftime because we both had Bills. I said they turned the ball over three times in the first half and the game's tied. We're in good shape. And, and sure as shit we were. The blowout win, Josh Allen doing his thing. That defense looks good. And, and your boy Vaughn Miller. Holy hell. Vaughn. He's ageless, man. He's getting after his old quarterback. Um, He's got the new haircut. He's ready to go. Saints-Falcons, Saints 27, Falcons 26, 17 points in the fourth from Jameis and the Saints. The Falcons blow another gigantic lead. I mean, that's, that's, that's my takeaway. The Falcons blowing leads. Horrific. Absolutely horrific. Yeah, I didn't watch much of the game. I followed it along. And, uh, you know, Jameis, man, J-Boo wins. That's why, that's why they call him J-Boo wins, baby. He's the best. Hey, that's that's one of my uh, one of my, one of my dark horses this year. I thought it would be a be a poor start. They got Tampa Bay next week. Should be a good NFC South matchup. Uh, 49ers ten at Chicago nineteen. The Bears win in the rain. Yeah, Justin Fields doing a uh, you know a belly flop slide at Soldier Field. I, I I didn't see much of it, but Jimmy G man. When's that talking to start back up? Kyle Shanahan is one of the most fraudulent guys. At him, McVay, they're all kind of the same type of guy. Lafleur, uh, this guy down in Miami, I think's a bum. I think the guy in Minnesota is a bum. I think all these guys that are cut from the same cloth. I think they're all hacks, talentless hacks, who luck into a good situation. But for Shanahan. To dial up this Trey Lance, this guy with all these skills and the ability to move and all this, you'd think it would open up some options on the, the, the zone read and there was zone running team and all the misdirection. And, and it was nothing. It was nothing. They, they got, they got totally embarrassed at, at Chicago. Um, so, you know, I wish them nothing but bad things, the 49ers. North Dakota state, man. Can't get a QB from there. Uh, I, I will say the, the stat that I saw, 49ers under Shanahan with Jimmy G. When Jimmy G starts, they're 35 and 16. When he doesn't start, they're 8 and 29. So is it Shanahan or is it Jimmy G? It's really, it's really easy to punk Jimmy G, but all the guy does is win. How about this one? Steelers 23 at Cincinnati, the defending AFC champs 20 in overtime. Uh, not a kicking showcase for sure. Zach Taylor not running the play clock down at the end of overtime, giving big dick Mitch Trubisky a chance to move the boys down the field to get the Boswell winner at the buzzer. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say. I mean, Arrow looks pretty poor, but 
the old Super Bowl Super Bowl loser hangover. You know what I mean? I mean, if there was ever a week where the Bengals are going to look like that, it's week one. I'm sure they'll round back into form, but at least for one week, the Steelers are riding high. I was on them plus seven, plus seven and a half. The trend, and it's now added another L. Super Bowl loser in week one the following year. Now four and eighteen against the spread the last twenty two years. Where was that? Where was that knowledge uh, uh, shared with Bomb before kickoff? Gee, you kind of kept that one yourself. Well, you, you had a loaded enough board. I didn't. I didn't know if you needed you any always, more action. You always take more action. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get you on this week. Uh, Patriots at Dolphins, twenty to seven. Tyreek Hill running around. Patriots, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Another another year that they look a little bit lost under the GOAT, Belichick. Another game, yeah. I should say. It's it's week one. We're going to overreact a little bit. They, they look a yeah, little lost. No, it's natural to overreact. I mean, I think the Patriots are a playoff team, but, I mean, I had them as a Super Bowl contender. I had a future on the Pats winning the Super Bowl. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy, but – that stat you just rattled off with Shanahan and Jimmy G, uh, you know, Jimmy G is a starting quarterback and everyone else is a starting quarterback. I think you could probably do the same thing for Bill Belichick and Tom Brady because man, that offense looks lost. They have nobody's on the outside. I mean, Aguilar's there. I guess he's serviceable, but how old is he at this point? I just I see I see no ability to move the ball down the field with any type of you know long strike capability. It's just dink and dunk. It's been it, it's what Andy Reid used to do in the in the preseason back in like two thousand five. Yeah, vanilla offense, dink and dunk, dink and dunk. That's what the Patriots' offense is. You got Matt Patricia calling the plays. I mean, Christ. Yeah, flipping from defense to offense, right? Oh, it's it's I yeah. I don't I don't get it. Doesn't make any sense. It was anemic. It was putrid. The Dolphins. I don't know. Tyreek Hill is talking about the new coach and how he's got big nads. I mean, you 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 put up twenty points and you played the Patriots at home. Let's let's relax. And by the way, I reviewed that scenario where he went for it. That scenario where he went for it, like they were on the forty four or forty five of the Patriots. Fourth and seven, and they went for it with like 22 seconds left. Um, it, you know, Doug really is the guy who came up with that. Like, because you look at those odds, and you know, who did it in college? I think it was Jeff Collins again. You know, Georgia Tech versus Clemson, same kind of thing. You're in plus territory. There's 25 seconds left. It's fourth and five, or fourth and six, and fourth and seven, and these head coaches are so deathly afraid of like giving the other team the ball with 15 seconds left on their own, like 45. Cause if you get a first down and two first downs, you're suddenly in field goal range, but they don't seem to think that, Oh my God, if our guys convert, there's free points at the end of the half. Lo and behold, he hits, he hits Waddle across the middle. He takes it to the crib, makes the guy look like a genius. But in my mind, it's, it's not genius thinking. I mean, it's common sense. Anybody who's ever played Madden, you run a long developing play you suck. You suck the time out of the out of the clock, and you try to convert. Waddle and Hill going to be tough to defend this year, but Baltimore Ravens at the New York Jets, twenty-four to nine. I don't think I saw any highlights even from this game anywhere. I will just say, our old buddy 
our good friend Juice and I, Survivor Pool Week 1, we had the Baltimore Ravens. We're on to Week 2. That's fantastic. Um, the Jets fucking stink. Jets still stink. Still stink. Joe Flacco is elite, though. If you told me you were holding Baltimore to, what, 24? And yeah. Seven, seven points. I mean, you can't you can't put up two touchdowns and a field goal. Yeah, that's tough. Another tough one. The both of us took it on the chin. Jags at Commanders. 28-22 win for Washington. Our good pal, our old foe, Carson Wentz. I was getting the texts in the first quarter. He was dealing. He's slinging. He's a new man. Then he, then he throws the pick on the screen to the D lineman. He throws another pick. But then he finds Jahad Dotson late in the game, not getting covered by a guy that's shadowing him, blanketing him, just didn't decide to make a play on the ball. Uh, breaks our back late. Commanders win by six. Yeah, I thought Doug had a nice debut. Lawrence looked improved compared to last year, which is what you can expect. They had a scenario where they were losing that game. It was before they made the, the furious comeback on the back of the Wentz picks, but um, they're down in goal to go situation, fourth and goal from the five. Doug dials up like some sort of a play action, misdirection type thing. And Lawrence throws a little floater out to ETN in the flat for a walk-in touchdown. And he clanks it. ETN fucking clanks it. And I knew in that moment we were fucked. Wentz tried to give it away. He tried everything he could to give it away. And your boy Riverboat Ron decides to dial up a third and long shot to Jahan Dotson. They're already in field goal range down by two. Dotson makes a hell of a play. But to your point, I mean, these guys that say Wentz is dealing, I think they're game cast guys. They're ESPN game cast guys. Carson Wentz is a game cast QB because you really have to watch the game to understand just how bad this guy is. If you just flip on the stat caster on ESPN and follow a little drive summary and look at the, look at what the quarterback did, you're going to assume the guy had a good game. Don't assume. Look at the tape. So Jahan, Jahan Dotson runs this little go route and, uh, you know, there was a comment. They, they put it up as a highlight on Washington's Instagram. And uh, and I thought the best comment of the day comes from a guy, Frankie Fresh underscore 55. I gave him a little love on the IG, G. He said, did the cornerback's controller die or something? <laughs> That's gold. <laughs> it was one of the most bizarre plays. The cornerback was in position. His head was turned around. All he had to do was put his arms up. And they either would have clanked off his, his arms or he would have just picked it. Instead, he, he literally just sat in Dotson's pocket and allowed him to catch the football. That was a ball breaker all around. I mean, we had watching the game cast myself because I was watching the Eagles game. The Jags were in the red zone at least like three times in the first half and didn't score, I think. <sighs> so tough. Uh, Browns at Panthers. Browns 26. Panthers 24. Baker Mayfield was talking all that shit, feeling good about himself. That's that's the best thing he does. He, Baker Mayfield is the best when he's not on the football field, and only the Cleveland Browns could find a win against a former player, former number one pick uh, in Baker Mayfield. Like that's, that's the only guy they could do it against. So good for the Browns. 
I got I got a take for you. And this is you got nothing to do with really the pro football or any you know, Baker Mayfield specific, but I I think you should have the ability, maybe once a year, once every five years, maybe the maybe the owners should vote on this where you you somehow get out of the contract, the quarterback contract. Um, and, and, and maybe there's a way to do some sort of a cost share to kind of pay for the contract, but the quarterback ha- still has to play. You send them back to school. So like Mayfield, like, you know, let's say he signed that rookie contract with Cleveland. He plays the first two years. Like, eh, I don't know if this is the guy you get to send him back to Oklahoma for three years. And I think, I think the NCAA should allow that to occur with all the NIL. Like, I mean, Cleveland probably would have done it twice. First with Manziel, and then and then secondly with with Baker. But there's got to be a way to kind of just like these guys, because in pro baseball, there are minor league baseball players where they do that for a living. The guys, the guys, a good ball player. He's a great ball player, but but he's 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 a triple A guy. He's not a he's not a big league. And there's a lot of those guys, and I think there's there's more quarterbacks, and I'd rather see that triple A quarterback play at Oklahoma on Saturday with the flag, throwing it into the O at Ohio Stadium in in the horseshoe. I'd rather see Johnny Manziel out there scrambling up against Alabama. And there's got to be some way to kind of just like lock these guys into going back to school. Not a bad take, yeah. It took uh, it took Baker Mayfield getting out of town for the Browns to win their first opener in, in some, some number of years. I think I heard that one. Uh, Colts-Texans, 2020 vision, final in OT. What a disgrace. Put some respect on Doug Peterson's name. Um, for all the people in Philadelphia, all the mouth breathers, we let the wrong guy go. We should have kept Frank Reich. We could have kept Frank Reich. He was the brains of the operation. Frank Reich's a fucking idiot, okay? Frank Reich's the bozo that vouched for Wentz. Then he brings in this decrepit old fuck from Penn Charter, Matt Ryan, who's a fucking hack. Never <laughs> one shit in his life. Never one shit in his fucking life. They think he's going to be the Messiah, and he fucking ties against Houston. Loser, loser, loser. Hard to, hard to add on top of that. Giants at Tennessee. Hang on. I got something else about that game. Oh, go ahead. So I got the red zone on, and they're showing the end of the game. It's overtime, the whole thing. Um, and you hear it. You hear the voice. We want to welcome in everybody here to Houston, where we have the Houston. De- and it's and it's T Mac. It's Tom McCarthy. You know, and no word on whether or not CBS provided a Schmitter or a funnel cake. <laughs> For Tom up in the booth. But the guy is horrific behind a microphone. I mean, you know, they got in the NFL when you're like not Jim Nance, right? And you're just like a random announcer. You, 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 and in baseball, it's the same way. He does the same shit for the Phillies. You're not supposed to be talking about strategy. You just call the play and then kick it to the color guy. T-Mac is always talking about strategy. What do you think? Are they going to call a timeout here? Shut the fuck up and call the play. (laughs) I mean, literally, they're kicking. They're kicking. (laughs) I can't make this up. I can't fucking make this up. They got Hot Rod out there to kick the game-winning fuel goal in overtime. Rodrigo Blankenship. Did you see this? Yes. Did you hear this? Yeah. 
they got hot rod out there. And I'm watching the game, and I, I turn to the gentleman I'm watching with. I said, where do you see T-Mac? I said, oh, wait, about 10 seconds after uh, the field goal goes through the uprights or misses before he says anything. Because when, when Bryce Harper hits a home run into, like, the third deck, Harper's touching second base before T-Mac says it's gone, right? So Blankenship hits this knuckleball that, that's nowhere near the, the, the goalpost. The, the referee signal no good, and McCarthy's got you on the edge of your seat. I mean, the fans are going nuts. They're basically breaking into a commercial, and T-Mac, it's no good! It's no good! They got the cut. They're showing the score. They're ready to cut to a commercial break, and fucking T-Mac is telling me it's no good. I, I'm concerned about Philadelphia G. Let me tell you why. I think there's a real serious, a real serious issue here. If Merrill Reese, so Merrill Reese, right? He's getting up there in age. He called James Bradbury, James Blackberry on the interception return. Mike Quick had to remind him. I don't know what's going on. Is Merrill getting up there? Is Merrill getting, you know, he's like Harry Cowes. He's a staple, right? He might, he might even die on the job. For the love of God, whatever we do radio-wise for the Eagles, just make sure it's not T-Mac. I mean, don't make this guy the voice of Philadelphia because the guy is so dumb. He's so horrific. He's, he's, he's terrible. I can't believe I almost forgot to to throw you that throw you that line there. I, I knew we had to get that in. That's that's too good. I don't. By the way, are, are you are you, the Phillies are in a playoff race, and you're going down to call a fucking Houston, Texas? Do you want to be in? A, do you want to be the Phillies announcer? Or do you want to go be like the fourth guy at CBS? Go do that. We don't want you. That's a tough look. I'll I'll, I'll give I'll give T Mac. You know, I'll, I'll I'll give him a little bit of a blow. I I don't I don't think he's the worst on football. He's not the worst on football. He's horrific on baseball. But there's these, these little tendencies that you pick up when you watch him for 160 games out of the year where he tries to – what do you think, Is he going to throw him a fastball here? Buddy, I mean, you couldn't call the pitches in a fucking Little League game, let alone tell me how to sequence uh, 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 an at-bat in the big leagues. Yeah, we just we just know him too well at this point. Moving along, Giants at Titans. Giants 21, Titans – 20 giants outright bombs play of the day he says got it done uh the titans stink ryan Tannehill stinks, stinks. i don't Stink. know uh i saw something today I, I don't know how this pff this pro football focus bullshit works ryan Tannehill was like the second highest rated pff quarterback in week one and he was above patrick mahomes who threw for five touchdowns and absolutely absolutely torched arizona on sunday uh, my other takeaway, Dable, uh, I mean, is, is that guy the new Andy Reid? You know, he's a little bit of a more heavy set guy, and, he, and he's running the shovel pass for two to win the game to Saquon. Dable, maybe, maybe a young Andy. Um, Saquon Barkley's back, man. Huge game from Saquon. Got to like to say it. I know he's a giant, but he's a nitty lion, man. Wow, you're a Penn State honk, if nothing. Hey, you were giving you were giving dots and some flowers too, man. We appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I guess the guy ran the route and threw his hands up and congrats to Jahan Dotson. Packers at Vikings, the Eagles next opponent, Vikings twenty three, Packers seven. Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in football. That's where I'm going with that. Yeah, I mean, imagine Rodgers had him. I mean, he's th- Rodgers threw like an 80-yard touchdown pass that clanked off his receiver's hands. I mean, 
you could have caught it. I think it was their first play from scrimmage, too. Christian Watson, rookie. Uh, does that guy have a job today? I, I mean, he might still have a job, but he probably doesn't have his, his dignity, man. I'm sure Rodgers Rogers let him know. Rodgers was fired up, yelling at people, looking pissed off all day. It was a, it was a long day for him, long day for the Packers. I'm not going to hit the panic button on them yet. Get those uh, receivers broken in, get Lazard back. They'll be all right. They got a good defense. Um, Vikings, though. Vikings look good. They got a tough defense. Be a good game Monday night. This was my lock of the day. Big Red, Andy Reid, with all summer to prepare for Midget Murray. Midget Murray. And, and that bum, Cliff Kingsbury. 44-21 Chiefs over the Cardinals. Didn't sweat for a second to minus six and a half. Right out of the gate, they blow the doors off. Patrick Mahomes doing his thing. And how about this? CBS, you know, 425 window. I would have liked to have seen the, the Raiders and the Chargers you get the Cardinals and the Chiefs, you get this blowout. Not only that, they got Jim Nance and Tony Romo calling that game. I would bet, I would bet that Tony Romo was begging, begging for that game because that dude loves to strum off Patrick Mahomes. Probably right about that. And I don't know anyone who came into this week thinking that Arizona and Kansas City was the more premium game compared to that AFC West matchup. I mean, that that Raiders and and uh, and L.A. Chargers game was must-watch TV at the end of last year. Remember Sunday night to get into the playoffs? I mean, how do you not have that as the game of the week on CBS? Total joke, but we'll take the cover. Speaking of the can game. We, can we say something, though, about that Arizona, that Arizona Cardinals fraud? I mean, they're pathetic. Uh, like, there's not really much to go into. Murray runs around. They they, they don't they don't do anything really well. Uh, you know, James Conner gets his a little bit, but it's always third and fifteen, and Murray's running around and chucking up a prayer. No, there, there's there's plenty to get into. Um, uh, here's what Cliff Kingsbury said uh, after the game. Right, they they lost this game 41, 44 to twenty one. They trailed by thirty at one point. They were never in the game. Um, they finished with two hundred and eighty two yards of offense. They gave the guy the big deal. They went three of twelve on third down. They averaged four and a half yards per play. And uh, here's what Kingsbury had to say after the game: We've got to practice better. There's no doubt. You can't say you're going to do it on game day and not do it during practice. Just practice habits, having a sense of urgency. So he's citing the loss, citing the, the the performance on practice habits. Isn't that his fucking job as the head coach? Practice habits. And and it takes till after week one to realize that you just practice for like five weeks, pal. Practice habit. Yeah, he watched them goof off, and, and Midget Murray's in there playing Call of Duty. You know, well, he should have been watching film. And uh, and he, and he and I couldn't believe it. Imagine being a Cardinals fan. If you heard that from your head coach, I'd lose my shit. Awful. Raiders at Chargers. Raiders nineteen. Chargers twenty four. Uh, Keenan Allen went out. Mike Williams didn't do jack for me in fantasy, but they still spread the ball around. Herbert making some huge throws. And how about Bosa and Khalil Mack just getting after Derek Carr? 
Uh, one of our listeners, I believe, called Derek Carr Carson Wentz light. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a tough one. I had the Raiders money line. But, yeah, Chargers, I mean, they got it done. Last game on Sunday, Sunday night football. I don't know what was worse, Chris Collinsworth's voice or the Dallas Cowboys Buccaneers 19, Cowboys 3. The Cowboys suck. Um, I mean, I I, I went to bed in, like, the third quarter. I don't know when Dak went out, but they never had a shot. I mean, Tom Brady can take off most of the summer, most of the training camp, and come out and just get an easy win uh, at Jerry World. Just just a complete joke out of Dallas. To hear the excuses from Collinsworth, who shouldn't even have been working yesterday. He's like, well, they lost, they lost a lot at receiver. Excuse me. I mean – wasn't this guy C.D. Lamb supposed to be a world beater? Wasn't he supposed to be a number one guy? Weren't people up in arms when the Dallas took him over, you know, in front of the Eagles? I mean, I thought this guy was a number one receiver. Turns out he's a fraud. He's a fraud. The only guy they were able to throw to was the, the big tight end, 86. Um, Schultz. Zeke Elliott is a is a, a, a fat loser. Um, he's another guy that you might want to banish back to college football. Stick him in Ohio State. But yeah, I just I just don't understand Dallas. I don't. And then now, you know, they'll 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 get let off the hook because you oh Dak's injured and they would have had a good year. They stunk. They stunk. They were horrific. But by the way, I got to love to see it. Too. Um, I think you'll get a kick out of this. I think there's one thing that a Dallas Cowboys head coach can't do because it make it it's 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 bad. And let me explain it. Whenever the Cowboys have a bad play, like a bad penalty or a turnover or what have you, the first thing they do is cut to to Fat McCarthy, right? Not T Mac, Mike McCarthy, and he you're looking at his ten shins staring up at the uh, at the at the the jumbotron. I know the exact moment you're talking about too. I just think somebody's like if I was Mike McCarthy's friend. I don't care how much you want to see the play review it the next day, because for you to be looking up at the scoreboard while the rest of America is staring at you with that. He's got that incredulous look on his face. It makes him look utterly clueless. And we know he's clueless, but like to be staring off into that scoreboard, it really makes you look like you shouldn't be the head coach of the Cowboys. Dude, as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is why we need, like, a social media coordinator. Like, you know, we we do the recording, we do the production, we we throw our stuff out on social, but we, we need somebody to grab that and, and make a quick meme for us. That Ugh. that that would have been a great grab. Um, yeah, I mean, we're recording here Monday night, a few minutes before Monday night football kicks off. We got Danger Russell Wilson heading back to Seattle in the 12th man. Let's ride right into Seattle. We'll see what happens. Um, anything else in the NFL? I want to get get to some college. I'll just say it's really weird looking at Joe and Troy on ESPN. I totally forgot about that. They just showed them in the booth. It feels weird. Feels wrong, man. That that four twenty five game of the week. That that's that's a staple. That's a. Sta- I need to hear Joe Buck when the Sunday scaries are about to kick in at halftime, like not Monday night when I'm like, I don't even know if I'm gonna stay up for this. Yeah, I totally agree. Staple of the first thirty years is like the sun setting and 
October, November, five, six o'clock, and Joe Buck and Aikman are breaking it down, breaking down the biggest game of the week. College football, I mean, quickly for me, Penn State blasts Ohio. We wa- we watched the first half. Not all that impressive. I mean, Singleton was impressive, the freshman running back, two, two big touchdowns. Clifford still just being his erratic self, looking one way, taking a sack, running for his life. O-line still still can't beat around a, a lesser opponent, an inferior opponent, but it, it is what it is. Go to Auburn next week, you know, another another road test. Not not a great great opponent, great team, but just keep winning. Keep, keep the dream alive because that's all it is is a dream. But, yeah, Penn State at Auburn, I think Penn State's a three-point favorite. Should be a good game. Uh, but no real big takeaways on them for me. Uh, and just looking down – the top 25 scoreboard. Obviously, we both had action on Alabama, Texas bomb. Nice cover for you there. It's a shame you didn't get the outright. Quinn Ewers goes out in the first half, gets bounced by some big ass guy on Alabama. Thought that would be the end of the game. Texas had had plenty of chances. Got to give them credit. I, I'd almost say Texas is back despite taking the L. I mean, what are your thoughts on that game? After all the Mirage wins, maybe it's an L that it's Texas back. I think they win the game. I think they win the game going away if Ewers plays. I do too. He was marching them down the field. It was 10-10. Well, I guess they were going in for the score when he got knocked out. I thought it was a cheap shot. I thought, I, I thought it in in obviously it was penalized but i don't know i thought the guy could have let up didn't have to like drive him into the ground it hurts it hurts for that guy it hurts for yours it hurts for sarkeesian the guy who's trying to build something um and it sounds like he's going to be out for i think six weeks four to six weeks uh there was talk about maybe him coming back for the red red river uh shootout um but yeah i mean i i didn't see enough from the backup to give me any type of confidence and uh there was ultimately some controversy too where bryce young was in the grasp in the end zone spun around he kind of chucked the ball away and there was a targeting penalty penalty put on the defense so they didn't end up calling it grounding then they took the targeting penalty off so this guy grounded the ball in his own end zone they didn't call grounding they didn't call him in the grasp they end up taking the defensive penalty off and they can't put the safety on. So there was some really poor officiating, and Matt Liner came out and basically said, I'm never a guy that wants to blame the refs. But what occurred on Saturday was an abomination. I think it was. And then, like, it sucks because, yeah, Alabama's, you know, the class of college football with Georgia and Alabama, obviously, for for longer in recent history. But then you pile on top that they catch every fucking break in every close game. It's uh, it's unbelievable. Another thing I didn't say about Penn State, I just have to say this on the air once a week until it happens. Drew Aller, it's it's time. Drew Aller, put him in at Auburn. Hopefully he'll at least get some reps, but I just put him in out of the gate. It's time to turn the keys over. I'm scrolling down. Number eight, Notre Dame. 26-21 loss in South Bend to We Are Marshall. Any thoughts, Bob? 
Yeah, I mean, I think they were drinking a little bit of the Kool-Aid. They were they they fell for the rat poison, right? They felt good about the loss at Ohio State. There's no such thing as moral victims when you're a college football powerhouse. Because guess what? You're going to have a target on your back each and every week. Um, Buckner gets knocked out. He's out for the season. We're up his shoulder. Non-throwing shoulder. I mean, I get you separate your shoulder. I get you, you know, you, you tear something, you need surgery, et cetera. But, like, your boy Bomb was playing for decade golf baseball the whole thing torn labrum torn rotator cuff throwing shoulder throwing shoulder so let's let's just call it what it is a lot of these guys in college they go to these big programs they only play when they feel 100 percent softer than shit so i don't know man i mean at least tyrone willingham when he when he was the head coach at least charlie weiss these guys had early success freeman is oh and three holy fuck I got nothing against Freeman. I, I got I got nothing against you, but I saw a real, you know, Notre Dame honk over the weekend, and he's giving it to me about Clifford the Big Red Dog and Penn State and you Penn State fans this and you Penn State fans that. He's an Irish guy. Didn't, didn't go to Notre Dame. L- lives halfway across the fucking country. Irish at 2.30, man. They got Marshall today. Ugh. They fucking lost. I, I I don't want to hear from those people. I understand some Penn State fans are insufferable. I got it. But at least we live in the state. At least we went to the school. Yeah. M- miss yeah. me with the fucking Notre Dame shit. Here's what I'll say, too, about Penn State. Um, you can kill Franklin. You can kill Clifford. You can hate on Penn State all you want. But at the end of the day, it just seems like more and more college football is is becoming so chaotic outside of like Georgia or Bama, where if you can just survive that week and win that game, doesn't matter if you're playing App State, doesn't matter if you're playing Purdue on a Thursday night. If you can just stack up those wins, and at the end of the year, look up and see what your team's turning into. Maybe some of your freshmen are rounding into form. Maybe you got a guy like Aller who's played some meaningful reps early and is starting to really understand college football. I don't know, G. I don't want to get your hopes up or anything. I don't want to pump the tires of Penn State. But don't worry. That's what, college, that's what college football is turning into. You look at what Sparty did last year. Um, you look at what Michigan did. It's just survive in advance. It's all it is these days. Don't worry. The hopes aren't getting up, but. I totally agree, and that's that's kind of why you still, you know, despite the gripes with the head coach and the offensive line and the program and the insufferable fans, you still you still cheer for the alma mater. Um, Tennessee over Pitt at Heinz Field in overtime. That was a good game. Washington State upsets the Wisconsin Badgers in Madison. Appalachian State outright in College Station over the Aggies. Uh, a couple other big games I had my eyes on. Kentucky over Florida in the swamp. After Florida, you know, stole the hearts of the college football world in week one. USC, they're cooking 41-28 over Stanford. And then the late game, this is a team I got my eye on going forward. The BYU Cougars over Baylor, 26-20 in double overtime. BYU is an interesting team to me. Um, I feel like, did they play somebody good in week one too? No, they played South Florida, but looking at their schedule, played number nine Baylor. 
They're at number 25 Oregon this week. Unfortunately, Notre Dame is what they are, but maybe they, they win a few games, get, garner a little respect. They got Notre Dame at home. They got number 10 Arkansas at home. BYU, man, I, I don't know. I don't know if they can do it, but for a team that plays in a, a weak conference, they, they got the schedule, man. I, I'm, I'm interested to see them play some more of these big-time teams. Yeah, they certainly don't shy away on the scheduling, so getting them credit. Any other takeaways from from week two in college? Uh, I mean, I the only I, I just I just think it's Georgia and everybody else. Um, I mean, interested to see what USC turns into. Uh, Frost was canned. Yes, he's gone. Yeah, Nebraska out, outright lost to Georgia Southern. And who's the head coach of Georgia Southern? Oh, you got me with that one. I'll I'll give it to you this way. You had no problem dicing and slicing and beating the shit out of James Franklin in the Rose Bowl. Is Clay Helton at Georgia Southern? Uh Yeah. Wow. Um, That's a big win. He feels like a guy that should be coaching a team that perennially is like in and out of like the top 25. Like a Wisconsin, not Wisconsin specifically, but the team that's always like 19th and loses. You're talking about Helton still? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, I just feel like, how is he at Georgia Southern? I mean, there's so many teams, like, that should be lining up to take a guy like that. I mean, I had to watch the ex-Temple coach, you know, totally go into a a turtle shell against Clemson at Georgia Tech. He's pathetic. It's unbelievable how many of these guys that get these jobs and they've never done anything, let alone won a Rose Bowl. So... That was interesting. The other thing, not to go back to that Bama-Texas thing, but Alabama brought their own air conditioning units to uh, to Texas and installed them in the, the locker room. The hell is that? Um, that's not my Alabama. That's not the Alabama that I know. Okay? And I do want to talk about the quarterback, and I want to talk about C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. The, the California kids. California kids. Let me tell you something. You got Bryce Young winning Heisman's playing in Alabama, running around looking like an idiot in the in the championship. You got CJ Stroud running around, losing to Oregon at home. You got air conditioning units getting delivered to DKR Memorial Stadium down in Texas. You have to ask yourself, what is college football turning into? That's not my Alabama. That's not my Ohio State. These guys aren't tough. They're seven and seven. They're uh, uh, shorts and a, and a dry fit shirt on. That's what these guys are. Any NFL team that decides to take these guys in the top five, top ten, they're setting their franchise back five years. Wow. Yeah, and, and it, aside from that point, it, it's not the Alabama we know. Watching them in these some of these big games the last year plus, it really does feel like Georgia and everybody else. Uh, I wanted to mention money line parlay on Marshall over Notre Dame, Washington State, over Wisconsin and Appalachian State over Texas A&M. $100 three-way money line parlay paid $86,000. Fuck. Crazy. And the other thing uh, that was going on on Twitter today, you know, I'm check, checking the Twitter out. Apparently there was, it looked like some sort of mini pep rally at College Station before the App State game. 
and there was some some A and M. It's not many. That's like a tradition. It, well, it didn't look very big. I'm just I'm just going with Is what at the stadium. Yeah, it looked like it. It yeah, it's like that. What do they call it? Like the Aggie yell or the Rebel yell or something, some crap. It's like the night before. I don't know. And the lead, leader of the 12 gets in there and does a whole thing. The leader in the 12 was talking about how Appalachian isn't even a state and all this stuff. Apparently, the video got pulled from Twitter when people started, like, calling it out. Really? Was He was that... I guess disrespectful to App State. I no, I don't think it was like you know a hate speech thing or anything. I think A and M was like more more so embarrassed that <laughs> that they that they went that they went on and talked all this shit and then lost the game. Yeah, it's a tough look. Really bad. Uh, but yeah, an, another crazy week in college. Um, but let's look ahead. Uh, you know, we talk about mixing it up. And we got Fade the Shade. We'll have more picks to come this weekend. Uh, but how about a little mix and match? A little six-pack, maybe three college, three NFL. Just games you got your eye on, NFL week two, college football week three. Uh, I'll start in college. Let's start in college. Uh, I talked about BYU earlier. Interesting team. I don't know what they're up to in the poll. Um where is it? They're up to 12 in the AP poll. They're at number 25, Oregon, Saturday at 3.30. That's a game I got my eye on. Oregon, a three-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Obviously, Penn State, 22 in the AP poll. I like 22. Let's let's just hang in there. Let's stay in the poll. We don't need to get too high and get too crazy. Penn State at unranked Auburn, who's also 2-0. and Penn State, a three-point favorite on the road there. Um. I'll see if you put this in your college games, Bob. Uh, but otherwise, otherwise, uh, I'll bring it up. But my third game right now is going to be the Miami Hurricanes at Texas A&M in College Station. Jimbo off the, the tragic loss. And, and Cristobal has the Hurricanes up to 13 in the country. Texas A&M, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. That game is Saturday at 9 p.m. Those are kind of the big games that I'll have my eyes on this week in college. I like them. I like them. Yeah, I mean, college-wise, I think it's an, it's an interesting slate. Um, a, a team I have my eye on, the Ole Miss Rebels. Um, going down to Georgia Tech, laying 15 and a half. I told you that Jeff Collins is a fraud. He'll, he'll punt from fourth and goal if he has to. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking at that game. We'll see how that line moves. Did you talk about Penn State? I did. Where are you leaning there? I don't know. I don't think Auburn is is great. I think they have a good running game. Quarterback stinks. Um, be a tough place to play. Be cool to see the Nits down in SEC country for the first time since probably they got walloped by Bama uh, when Rob Bolden was making the start down in Tuscaloosa when I was a student. But I think – if Penn State plays how they did against Purdue, to take care of the ball. Like I think it'll kind of be a similar, yeah, similar kind of game. I mean, not not that Auburn's got some great passing attack, but they do have a good running attack. Uh, I, I think it'll be a tight game. I think Penn State will win. I like it. Yeah. No, two other games I got my eyes on here: Marshall at Bowling Green. Um, classic case of a uh, a team 
going on the road, getting paid a bag, winning the game outright, taking pictures in the stands, taking pictures on the field, partying, hooting and hollering, playing Bowling Green at Bowling Green. Bowling Green's getting 16 and a half. Bowling Green hung with UCLA for most of that first half, deep into the second half before UCLA pulled, pulled away and covered that spread. I'll be looking at Bowling Green, seeing where this thing goes. Third game I'm looking at here that I'm considering is. Uh, Please do it. I ha- I have one dialed for you if you need it. No, no, no. I got one here, but I'm interested to hear what you're about to say. Well, yeah, I, I kind of feel bad because I, I took all the, 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 the big time games from you, but I wrote down tonight for you. How about your Rutgers Scarlet Knights at uh, Temple? Yeah, I love them. Uh, I, that'll be my fourth. Rutgers <laughs> minus 17 and a half at the link on Saturday. I'm telling you guys something. There's nothing I love more than a Greg Schiano led football team. These guys just chop and they chop and they chop and they chop some more. Temple stinks. Temple always will stink. They produce nothing but losers. Are they still giving out the Temple tough stuff? Not, I'm not, hang on. You know, I, I'm looking at your face. There's on audio. I want to be very clear here. I'm not talking about the alumni. I'm not talking about the students. I'm talking about the football program specifically. Nothing but losers. Al Golden went down to Miami. He stinks. Jeff Collins goes down to Georgia Tech. He stinks. Uh, they 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 love giving out the numbers one through ten for the for the football guys. These these little undersized linebackers that run around and flex their muscles and get their tattoos up on North Broad Street. Um, you know, disgusting program. I can't believe they're talking about. You know, a stadium on campus. I mean, come on, fix your basketball program. Okay, so I like Rutgers. I like the chop. Give, give me the, uh, the the food truck sandwiches. Give me Greg Schiano. Give me the birthplace of college football. I like them. But the game I was going to go with, G, before before you sidetracked me with Rutgers and Temple and, and got me all hot and bothered. <laughs> um, another, another team. This is an app state type team. This is an app state type team. They already pulled off a win early in the season. App state. I don't know who, why, do, why these people schedule app state. I'll give Mac Brown some credit. He schedules them. I give Jimbo some credit. He schedules them. App state plays North Carolina, that, that, that instant classic. And then they turn around and they go to A&M and they win the game. There's another team that's very much cut from the same cloth. Is App State, a team that has sent guys to the league in recent years in Taylor Heineke and Travis Fulgham. I'm looking at Old Dominion. They pulled it off against your boy, former Penn State defensive coordinator Brent Pry, the head coach now at Virginia Tech. They're going into Charlottesville, playing those frauds in the ACC, the Virginia Cavaliers, and they're getting 10, folks. ODU, man. We got, we got another – Another uh, former Penn State coach, former OC Ricky Ronnie's the head coach of Old Dominion, the Monarchs. There you have it. I like it, man. Yeah, I, I didn't realize before before the segment that I, w- I would steal all the big games. So let's look at three NFL games. We'll mix it up, get our six-pack topped off here. Bomb, why don't you lead the way on the NFL? I got some games, Tad, but I'm curious to see what you're watching or maybe what you might be looking to bet on this coming week. Yeah, uh, man, this this is the yeah. I'm just gonna have to continue to ride them. Um, I'm gonna follow this Indianapolis and Jacksonville line pretty closely. This is an this is a division game, right? Both in the South. Colts as of tonight are getting four going into Jacksonville. 
I saw some things that I thought looked good with the Jags. I thought Lawrence looked capable. I think Matt Ryan's washed up. I'm going to keep my eye on that number. I think pe- I actually think the money's going to come in on the Colts. People are going to say, hang on, Frank Reich, Matt Ryan against the Jags. So we're, we're going we're gonna to hammer the Colts. Remember, this is a divisional game. Wait, uh, hang on. Did you say Colts are getting four? No, Colts are given four. Given four, yeah. They're laying it, yeah. Yep. Um, the next game that I'm looking at here, I mean, this line stinks. 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 And it's got to tell you something here, G. The Washington Commanders go into Detroit. They just had the big win at home. They got the big four touchdowns, 300-yard quarterback. First time in four years the guy's thrown for four touchdowns. They got the new toy in Jahan Dotson. They got Scary Terry. They got Gibson. They got Riverboat Ron. They're getting two at Detroit? Yo. (laughs) I got my eye on that game. And then lastly, Fraud Fest. We'll call it a Fraud Fest 4 o'clock. Midget Mary against Derek Carr. I don't even need to tell you who who I'm looking at here, but the the Raiders will be laying five and a half as of tonight. I think that's a great spot for the Raiders. And talking to Juice about week two and Survivor Pool, you got to go off the grid at some point, not not pick the absolute chalk. We are eyeing up the Raiders uh, for week two. But, yeah, you got you got to fade Midget Murray. you got to find these teams to fade for Survivor, and, and Midget Murray and Kingsbury are definitely up there. Uh, my first game, Thursday night, the debut on Amazon Prime, Amazon TV. I don't know what the fuck it's going to be on. I got my eye on it now. I don't know if I'll have my eye on it Thursday night. Chargers at the Chiefs. Uh, the two winners with the Broncos not playing yet or finishing yet. They're playing right now down 7 nothing to Seattle. The two winners in the AFC, AFC West in week one. Chargers at Chiefs. Chiefs minus 3.5 at the moment. Chiefs off a big, big blowout win. Feeling themselves. Mahomes, five TDs. He was throwing it underhand. He had Tony Romo in there greasing him up in the building. I might be looking at the L.A. Chargers on Thursday night, folks. Um, Next game. I talked about taking the New Orleans Saints to win the NFC South. Sunday at 1 o'clock, Tom Brady and the Bucs going to the Superdome to play the Saints. Bucs are a three-point favorite on the road. Big game in that division early in the year. Uh, I don't know where I'm leaning. Second week second week in a row on the road for the Bucs. Tough place to play. Saints off of high. Big comeback divisional win. Uh, that's definitely a game to keep an eye on. And my last one, I know you're not crazy about them, Bob. The nerd coach. But the Miami Dolphins go to Baltimore on Sunday to take on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, 1 o'clock, Ravens laying three and a half. I don't know if this is like a – I'm not, I'm not saying this is a bet game for me. You know, we're just doing a little preview here. The picks will be posted later in the week. Uh, but just just a game to keep our eyes on. Tua versus Lamar, uh, all the weapons the Dolphins have against the electric Lamar Jackson. Uh, two, two teams that weren't really in the mix last year that a lot of people think are going to be in the mix this year. I think it will be a good game. Uh, to keep our eyes on on Sunday. And then obviously to cap it off, the nightcap on the six-pack, the Eagles and the Vikings, Monday Night Football, like I said earlier, 
Eagles right now, one and a half point favorite. Should be a great time, great atmosphere down at the link. It's still September. The teeny boppers will be out. We got two Monday night games this week, too. Or next week, I should say. Titans at Bills. Monday at 7.15. Eagles, Vikings at 8.30. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, it hurts. Your boy Bomb won't be in the building. Um, you know, duty calls. You, you got to put food on the table. You got to keep a roof over 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 the head. So your boy Bomb it will be uh, out in San Diego. Kind of killing me, man. That eight fifteen starts, five fifteen out there. Might have to sneak out and grab grab a dinner uh, and and get, go off the grid there from the conference and uh, see if we can watch that game. But man, I I don't know, man. That's going to be a tough one. I'm interested to see what the Eagles do. I still think Captain Kirk's a fraud. I still think the new head coach is a fraud, but at the same time, they got a lot of guys to distribute the football to, so we'll see what the Eagles' defense does. Should be a great game. Looking forward to it. Anything else you wanted to top us off with tonight, Bob? No, I got nothing, G. All right, we'll shut it down. We will thank everybody for listening. Once again, two thoughts in the shade. Best of luck with your wagers coming up. Enjoy the pigskin, and we will talk to you next week. Peace.